0: Yeah, God gets the glory. It's so fun to see him working in our next generation, answering our prayers that he would capture their hearts and use them in their generation to tell others about him. Well, welcome to Connection Point. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors. Really glad to have you with us today. We're kicking off a series called A Life-Giving Christmas. We really uh, pray for you guys when we put these different series together. And one thing we know is that the month of December uh, it's a crazy busy month, it's frenetic, it's, there's just nonstop action, and then you've got you know family dynamics when you get the whole extended family together, and there's people who don't like each other, and then you've got to figure out how to pay for Christmas presents and which ones to get. It's just kind of a stressful, busy month. So as we prayed for you, our heart's desire is that every weekend here in December, we'll look into the Word of God in a way that gives you life. That's what we mean by a life-giving life giving Christmas. So today we're going to talk about how to find life through Christ when you're living in disappointment. Or if you're living in a season of waiting and you keep waiting for God to show up, for God to work, and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Uh, I don't know about you, I hate waiting. I just hate it. You know, if there's any way that I can skip the line or order ahead or Get it to go instead. Like, I I just don't like waiting. I've always been that way. I remember as a kid, I was into cars. I still am. And I just remember waiting till I turned 16 and got my driver's license so I could drive. And it just felt like it took forever. Uh, None of us like to wait. Turns out, dogs don't even like to wait. Check this out. I have proof. Go ahead and take a look. Wait. Okay. (laughs) See, there's a reason we don't like to wait. There's sneaky people out there who are going to, you know, take our stuff if we do wait. Every Christmas morning, my three kids have to wait. Here's what it looks like. Um, We make them wait at the top of the stairs while we kind of finalize everything for them to come down. It's sort of a little form of torture. Uh, but I try, to, I try to tell my kids anticipation is half of gratification, you know. If there was no anticipation, you wouldn't enjoy it as much. And maybe that's true. That's not what I'm here to like, preach to you today. That's just what I tell them, okay. But this is them every Christmas morning, and I look at that picture, and it's cute. And of course, I'm biased because they're my kids, and I, I love them to death. But it's also an emotional picture for me because for me and Mel, building the family that we dreamed of was a process of waiting in ways that we didn't want to. Now, when Mel and I got married, we were in our 20s, and Mel had always dreamed of being a mom. I had always dreamed of having a lot of cars. <laughs> so the thought of being a dad, I had literally just never even really thought about it. Um, but then, you know, trying to be a good husband, like, okay, if you're into that, I'll, I'll get into that. And <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay? (laughs) So we got pregnant, and our first pregnancy, as the weeks went on, I started to actually visualize and think about what it would be like to be a dad. And all of a sudden, I was so excited. I couldn't believe, like, we had actually made a life together. We had created a little life and just start to envision this, this dream life. And then one day, I was at my office at the newspaper that I worked for at the time, And got a call from Mel that she was having really severe cramps, and I raced home to her. And long story short, we lost that pregnancy. That child is in heaven now. And that was the first of multiple pregnancies that we lost, children that are waiting for us in heaven. And it's part of our story that having the family that Mel desired and that I started to desire, and that we dreamed of, and that we prayed for, it didn't just happen like that. It was full of disappointment. It was full of times of waiting, and I just wonder in your life right now, if you can relate to that emotion at all. Maybe it is around having a child, or maybe it's around finding a spouse, like a loyal lifetime companion who gets you, and is your best friend, and you're attracted, and just everything works. You just feel like you're waiting and waiting. And is God ever going to provide that person? Maybe you're in a marriage and the marriage seems so lifeless, so broken, so painful, so hopeless. You've waited and waited for God to heal that thing. And maybe today you're at a point where you just think, I don't even know why I bother to wait anymore. It could be your career, it could be your finances. Uh, in my life, sometimes it's even a, a good desire for the kingdom of God. Like, God, I want to see you work in people this way. I want to reach this city or these people and, and you launch out to do it and it just takes longer than you'd think. Uh, in your life, what need or desire have you been waiting for and waiting? And right now, it just looks like it's never going to happen. Where are you waiting for God to show up and it's taken so long that maybe, maybe you've kind of thrown in the towel. Like God's just not, that's just never going to happen. That's what we're going to talk about as we look into the word of God today. Because believe it or not, he speaks to this tension in our lives. And it's actually part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1 starts off this way in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So he's a priest. He works in the temple. He's got this heritage from this guy named Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth also comes from this godly heritage within the Jewish people. Verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. It's a really important verse. Because look at the next verse, 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. This was their dream as a couple. This was her dream as a wife, And she was not able. They were not able. You can just imagine the disappointment over the years. And we're told here that they desired a child. They waited for a child. They hoped for a child. But they were met with disappointment. And you add time to disappointment. And and your hope gets a little thinner. And then disappointment again. Now You can imagine in this culture which was tribalistic and just the family was the center of everything there were no colleges there were no universities there weren't trades for young ladies and women the little girls were all told like here's your function in society to have kids so elizabeth grows up and she's holding the other babies and she's babysitting most likely they got married as teenagers at this time in history And she's so excited, like, wow, I've I've got this great guy, and now I'm going to be a mom. And a number of months go by, and something's not right. And then a number of years go by, something's not right. Elizabeth, who still loves kids so much, you can just imagine her showing up at their family gatherings, all the feasts and all the traditions that this society had, and being the one who holds the babies and plays with the toddlers and just dreaming of the day when she's going to have one of her own. And those years start to turn into decades. And soon some of those little babies that she was holding, now they're having babies. But she's not. Verse seven, at the very end, when it says they were both very old, the idea is is quite literally, her body is past the age of having kids anymore. If you've ever felt this way about a dream in your life, that chance passed me up a long time ago, that's Elizabeth's story. Time passes, disappointment sets in, changes happen in your circumstances, and you finally just say, you know what? There's no way at this point. That chance passed me up. Verse 8, decades have passed. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, remember he's a priest, he was serving. You might take a picture of that, or if you take notes, you might jot those down, or if you've got your life application study Bible, you might circle those three words. I think they're very important to this story. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him as he's serving. Now, we're talking today about waiting, which is really what? It's the passage of time while your desire is unmet. That's what waiting is. So I think this word then is really important because then is a time word. In other words, there was a timeline of Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. And from a few months into their marriage until this very old age, a lifetime, the theme of the timeline was disappointment. Then, then it turns. The timeline turns, the trajectory of the life turns, God shows up. Do you think God could still have a then moment in your life? Even if you're living in disappointment? I believe on the timeline of your life, God has a then moment. It signals the turn after heartbreak, after disappointment, after it feels completely hopeless and then. There's a then for every believer in Jesus Christ on the other side of your now. Verse 13, this angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear you a son and you're to call him John. Now, sometimes we rush over this story and we think, wow, Zechariah must have just been praying that. But as I studied this this week and really looked at all the dialogue Zechariah has with the angel, and we won't get into all of that, but the summary is this, Zechariah was not expecting this. In other words, he gave up on this prayer somewhere in the last 15 years. It's not like he was still praying every day, God, give us a child. At this point in their life, it was so impossible. You wonder if he's thinking as he's looking at the angel, my, my prayer has been answered. My prayer has been answered? Buddy, you're like 15 years late. There's no way. I mean, have, have you seen my wife? Have you seen me? Not only is that dream dead, our bodies are about dead. That prayer expired a long time ago. I wonder what prayer of yours is long past the expiration date. Maybe you've just accepted it's it's just been too long. I'm too old to find a godly spouse, even though I desire one. My kids have turned down that road away from God, and as adults, they've just run from God. They're so deep in their darkness, it's too far gone and you've just stopped even praying for them because it's so hard to even think about them. That dream that was a good God-given thing for your career to be more than just making money, but actually fulfilling your purpose and serving others, and you went for it, but circumstances shut it down, and man, you haven't even thought of that in 15 years. Maybe you're here, you're a single mom. And you're a single mom who desires a godly husband and a godly dad for your child or children, but you look at yourself and you think, I- I'm just, I've made too many mistakes. That kind of guy wouldn't be interested in me. Guess what? The prayers that you've prayed in the past were heard. Sometimes we think maybe our prayers expire because of time. It's almost like food sitting on the counter. Sometimes our our prayers, our good desires expire, not just because of time, but the elements. They just get spoiled by circumstances. And that thing we prayed for or hoped for, it has just become so impossible. Like, why even keep up hope? I'm just going to depress myself. Did you know that prayers don't actually have expiration dates? Revelation 5 verse 8 describes every prayer you've prayed and all the prayers of all the saints in history as being documented and held in vials in heaven. Every prayer you've ever prayed from the heart as a follower of Jesus is documented in heaven. And maybe you've forgotten about it, but God hasn't. That prayer for a child, that prayer for a spouse, that prayer for your marriage, those good dreams and desires God's given you, he has not forgotten. And maybe you've given up like Zachariah and Elizabeth, but he hasn't given up. A few things we can take from this story. You might actually pull out your phone to get a picture of this one. It's a little corny, but I just thought it would be fun to put it this way, okay? Your prayers don't have an expiration date, Think of that every time you open the refrigerator, okay? My prayers don't have an expiration date. I wanted to give you something to remember. There's something else God brought you here to learn today, and it's this. You don't get to pick the timing. I wish you could. I wish I could. But you do get to decide if you're going to be faithful or not. I know that when you're waiting, it feels like you're powerless. You feel impotent. You feel... Like life is just happening to you. These circumstances and these events are all bigger than you. And you just don't really have any say. But you always have say in whether or not you'll be faithful to God. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they model that for us. Because here they are after a lifetime of disappointment. And they're at the temple, which is the church of their day. And he's serving And they've been faithful to each other. A lot of marriages fall apart when one spouse or the other is living with disappointment. Sometimes it's not even the other spouse's fault, but they just split up because of the disappointment. They were faithful to each other, they were faithful to God, they were faithful to God's work. And when you feel like, man, there's no buttons for me to push. There's no levers for me to move. There's no pedal. There's no steering wheel. I have no control over my life. You actually have complete control over whether or not you'll be faithful to God. Now, we know from scripture, we don't earn our salvation. And if you're here and some of this is new, uh, you need to know that salvation is a free gift through Jesus. You simply admit your need. You call out to him to be the God of your life. Believe he died on the cross for you and rose again. The moment you do that, you're adopted into the family of God. And now we're faithful to him, not so that we can, you know, do good works to get to heaven, but because he's faithful to us. And we trust him. And as you grow in Christ, your trust will grow. You'll learn to trust him when it looks impossible. You'll learn to trust him when he's nowhere to be found. And in your waiting, you have one of the greatest opportunities of spiritual growth in your life. It's not comfortable. It's like an athlete in training. The best training is not comfortable. But when you're waiting and when it's hopeless, when you're surrounded by disappointment and you choose to be faithful to God, you grow. I want to mention this. It's not in the slides, but don't disqualify yourself in your waiting. Now you're saved by grace through faith. So when I say disqualify yourself, I'm not saying if you sin, you're gonna lose your salvation. I don't believe that's possible personally. But what I am saying is this Zechariah and Elizabeth, they could have disqualified themselves in their waiting. They could have gotten so uh, hopeless and bitter that Zechariah says, I forget this whole priest thing. If this is the God that I serve every day in the temple, I, I'm gonna go just do a trade be a tent maker, a carpenter, a fisherman, something else. Elizabeth, let's just go find some other life apart from God because he didn't answer our prayer. But they didn't choose that path. And it's similar today for for the, the single mom who's praying for the godly husband and the godly dad and she's praying, but she's still messing around with all these guys who aren't qualified. And guess what? God sends the perfect man her way, and she's not there. She's off with some other dude for the night. That's just an example, but it happens in all of our lives. It can happen that God, our salvation is by grace grace through faith, but his best plan for our life, we have to choose it every day. And so what I'm saying is whatever your situation is, don't disqualify yourself in the waiting. You're, You're praying to be a parent qualify yourself to be the most godly parent you can be you're praying for a spouse prepare because god's gonna bring that person and be like when that person comes i'm gonna be the most godly man or woman i can be when god opens the door for the business opportunity or the promotion or the ministry opportunity i'm gonna be spiritually fit for it because i was faithful in the waiting because you see god is working in your waiting and you can be too You can be preparing yourself by faith. God's working. I know you can't see it, but you can choose to believe it. Become the person who God would want to be waiting to catch that pass that you're praying for. So what else can you do while you're waiting? Well, remember those three words from Zechariah. He was serving. If you'll keep serving God, believer in Jesus then it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time until your then moment. Just a matter of time. Now, some of our then moments will be after our brief lifetime on earth when we're in the presence of God in a glorified body. For example, you could take two believers who have equal faith, and they're both, their bodies are riddled with cancer, and they're both praying for healing. And one prays and the healing God gives is when that believer wakes up in the presence of God with no more pain, no more tumors, eternal life, joy, surrounded by their loved ones. The other one, God heals in this life, miraculously. And the other one lives another 20 years here in this broken world and goes to heaven, dies from some other cause. Both of them get delivered. Both of them have a then moment. And this is kind of the high-level faith that says, Any prayer I pray that I don't see answered in this life, I will see in the next life, which is gonna last longer and be more important anyway. But keep praying with the hope that you'll get to see it in this life because sometimes like Zechariah and Elizabeth, it's 40, 50 years later. In your waiting, serve God and others with all you've got. He who promised is faithful. All right, I can see it in the eyes. I see some of you are like, yeah, this is good. I needed this and others of you are like, This is good for other people, but my situation's just too broken. I hear you. I hear you. That's exactly how Zechariah felt. Look at verse 18. Zechariah asks the angel, okay, you're telling me my wife is going to have a kid. How can I be sure of this? Because I'm an old man, and my wife is way too old to be having babies, In other words, okay, supernatural messenger of heaven, appreciate you stopping by. (laughs) I think you're like a couple decades late. Those dreams are long dead. The angel said to him, verse 19, I am Gabriel. (laughs) I stand in the very presence of God, and I've been sent from God to talk to you and to tell you this. In other words, this is from God. Do you realize who you're talking to, Zechariah? You're not just doubting me, you're doubting God. (laughs) And then uh, Gabriel's going to flex here a little bit. Verse 20, now, you're not going to be able to talk until the day your baby is born. Because you didn't believe my words. This isn't from God. This is just angels have free will too. Gabriel's like, this is what you get for doubting me. (laughs) Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Mic drop. Angelic mic drop from Gabriel. I highlighted those words at their appointed time because waiting is all about time. This led me on a little word study in the New Testament. This phrase is used three times. Here's another example that applies to your life. Galatians six verse nine. Let us not become weary in doing good. You're making the right choices. You're you're showing up to church. You're praying you're doing your best in your marriage, you're serving, you're giving, don't give up. God says don't become weary because he knows we will. He's not saying it's bad to feel fatigued. What he's saying is don't let your fatigue dictate your decisions. In your weariness, remind yourself that at the proper time, same phrase, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Every time you pray with your child, every time you give to the work of God, every time you show up and serve, every time you attend, every time you open your Bible, every time you pray, every time you do your best to show Jesus to your coworker but it looks like a total failure, they're all seeds that you're planting. And you might be in a season of life where you're like, John, I've planted a lot of seeds and I don't see any, I don't even see any little green shoots coming out. There's just nothing. It looks like a desert. That's what this verse is for. It says, When your life feels that way, keep doing what is right. Keep following the example of Jesus at the appointed time, at the proper time, little acorns that you planted will be revealed to be oaks, giant oaks of faith. So keep serving through the pain. Keep believing when it's impossible. Keep choosing God when he's nowhere to be found. Here's the three examples of this phrase. We saw Luke 1. The story of Zechariah, Galatians 6, we just looked at the middle one. Galatians says, When the right time came, God sent his son from heaven to be born of a virgin to die on the cross for our sins. Here's a little more about this phrase because it really relates to your life. Isn't it interesting how time can fly by or drag along depending on your circumstances? Well, one circumstance is when you're really cheering for a team at an athletic event. This example would be basketball. And there's 14 seconds left in the game, and the score is just one point apart. Now, if if you're on the team or cheering for the team that has 96, you just want that time to go. If you're on the team that has 95, you want that time to be as slow as possible. In fact, if you put some context around it, it gets even more dramatic. Think if you're on the team of 95 that you scored, your team scored the last 10 points. You guys have the momentum, you're on a run. You've actually been controlling the whole game. And you just know, given enough time, we will score again and it'll be 97 to 96 and we'll win. And the other team knows that too. So the same literal 14 seconds are going to be perceived very differently by those two different groups. The one group's like, come on, come on, come on. The other's like, just pause time. I remember moments holding Zoe, our second child. She was a smaller baby than Jack. And I just remember walking around, holding her, praying over her, singing to her, and just having moments where it was like, oh, God, can we just like stop time right here? Just right here. And then I've had moments and you have too where you're in pain, emotional or physical or spiritual. And you just wish you could just turn up the dial and fast forward to when the pain ends. There is actually a clock running in the universe. And the things you've prayed for, the things God has ordained for your life, the good desires he's planted in you, there is a countdown. You don't see it, but it's actually happening every day. You can rest assured that the clock is running. Time is running. Every day, you're one day closer. Every moment, you're one moment closer. Choose to be like Zechariah and Elizabeth and say, you know what, God, uh, it, it's just been disappointment. I don't see it, but I'm just going to keep believing you. I'm going to keep being faithful. Believing that when you do show up, that then moment is going to be so worth it. The Greek word that's used here for the fulfilling of time Pleroma is the idea of to fill up, and it was actually used by the ancient Greeks when they would pack their cargo ships. So if you had a cargo ship and you were filling it with grain around the time of Jesus, as the grain started to fill the ship, once it was completely full, it was pleroma. That's the word that's used here. When God says, waiting for the appointed time, all these other things have to add up, and then boom, I set my events in motion. Kind of like these old sand timers. And what God's saying is, whether you see it or not, events are accumulating that are leading to the answers to your prayer and leading ultimately to the work of God and the will of God. You don't always see this accumulation, but it's happening. And believer in Jesus, you can rest assured, Romans eight twenty eight he will work all things together for your good. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Ephesians 3, verse 20, as you live with Christ and as you pray in the Spirit, He will do exceedingly, abundantly beyond what you could ask or imagine. Time will fill up, it will happen, so don't give up waiting while the sand is accumulating. Last little angle of this ancient phrase in due time is this guarantee that it's inevitable, it will happen. It's used to say the sun will rise. Winter will come. And of course, if you live here in Indiana, by the time it gets to February, you think winter will never end. (laughs) But guess what? Then spring will come. You can't rush it. You can't control it, but you also can't stop it. It will happen. Those prayers you've prayed have been heard. They will be answered. I love this moment in Zechariah's story. The angel's talking to him about his son, verse 14, describing this child who's going to call him Abba or Daddy, and he will be a joy to you, Zechariah. He will be a delight to you. Not only that, Zechariah, Many people are going to rejoice at the birth of your son, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. What more could a priest who serves in a temple want? A son who's great in the sight of the Lord? And the angel goes on to describe, you know how you all have been waiting for the Messiah for 700 years? Your son is the one prophet who will know the Messiah and will actually be his running mate and introduce him to the world. That's what you've been waiting for. Worth the wait. When God's timing is longer than you desire, his blessings are likely to be greater than you desired. That's exactly what happened to Zechariah. And out of the heartache of the disappointment springs just overwhelming joy and awe at, wow, Only God could have turned those events around. Only God. I shared with you about some of the pregnancies Mel and I have lost where those children are in heaven. Some were what you call a miscarriage. One was what's called an ectopic pregnancy, which is a whole other difficult thing. But we could have biological kids, we had two, and, and we could have more. We just knew it's not always an easy road. And in our disappointment, in our grief, we didn't enjoy the process, but there's a few things God has done through that. A one is we have an empathy and a compassion that we wouldn't otherwise have. So when Mel's with a group of young moms and young want-to-be moms... And one of the women says, Oh, yeah, my, all my husband has to do is look at me and I get pregnant. We just, and I'm happy all pregnancy. And like they just poop, they pop out. And... <laughs> and you look to the other side of the table and you see a, a, a young woman sitting there with her mouth closed and with tears in her eyes. We wouldn't have noticed her before, but we do now. And God notices you if you're one of those. Also, um, Through that, we started to realize this imbalance in the world because it's broken by sin and by Satan that there's a lot of really good people who desire to be parents and can't be. And there's a lot of great kids who are growing up in abusive or neglectful homes with people who don't deserve to be parents. And you you look at that and you just think, God, this isn't right. This is unjust. And it was really because of that that we started to pray and think, hey, what if for our third, though if we tried long enough, we could have a third one biologically. What if God is using some of the pain in our life to make us see something we didn't otherwise see? What if we're supposed to adopt? And we started praying about that and just asking God, God, is this what you want for our lives? That's not his plan for everyone, but as we prayed, God made it really clear that it was his plan. Uh, And I look now at my youngest, she's in this picture on the right. I'm going to try to get through this without just like bawling. We love all our kids the maximum you can love a person, okay? And they're all perfect in our family. Sinful, but perfect for our family, And I don't know how to put this in words other than to say, if you were to mix me and Mel's DNA together a million times and show us every possibility, there's not a single one of those that we would pick. There's not a, a person who's ever lived that we would rather have in our family than our youngest. Like she just, she does complete our family and she's so patient and kind. And God has given us this gift that we never would have received if we just got everything we wanted in life, we didn't even know what we would be missing out on. And I'm telling you guys, if God hasn't answered your prayer yet, if you're in disappointment, you can trust him. Keep serving him. Keep being faithful. He's got a good plan. So for Elizabeth, you can imagine these 40 or 50 years of waiting we're all the main character of our story. But really, her 40 or 50 years of waiting is just a little piece of a bigger story that Israel had been waiting 700 years. Isaiah seven fourteen: a virgin will conceive and give birth to the Messiah 700 years later. Elizabeth becomes part of the story. Waiting is a normal part of following God through this broken world. I wish it wasn't. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but he always brings good from it if you keep looking to him. You could look at it this way. Really from Genesis 3 till Christ returns in Revelation has been this much bigger story. And even the 700 years of Israel waiting is a smaller part of the story. When Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, said, go tell all people of all ethnicities that salvation is found in my name. I'm gonna to go to heaven to prepare a place for you In the day's coming when I will return. I will judge evil and sin and there will be no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. And we believe that and for 2,000 years, we've been waiting. But God's working in the waiting. There's a little tiny bubble up there to the right. That's your waiting. <laughs> it's one of about eight billion bubbles in the world right now, many more throughout history. Elizabeth and Zechariah waited most of their lifetime to become parents, but their son, John the Baptist, he was worth the wait. Israel waited 700 years, but the Son of God on earth, worth the wait. The church, has waited 2,000 years, but when he returns as king of kings and lord of lords, worth the wait. And whatever you're waiting for in God's plan for your life right now, I'm telling you, worth the wait. What God has for you is absolutely worth the wait. What he had for Zechariah and Elizabeth, (laughs) not only did they get to be part of this story But he had a ministry for them to perform that was so fulfilling that for all of eternity, they're the only people who got to do it. Here's what I mean. Let's jump to Mary's side of the story. I'll go through this real quick. Luke 1 verse 30, Mary's a teenager. She's engaged. An angel shows up. You've found favor with God. Okay. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Wait, what? What? You're to call him Jesus, he's the Messiah. How will this be? Mary says, I'm a virgin. This can't happen. This will destroy my whole plan for my life. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And as Mary's thinking, this is impossible, the angel says, hey, remember Elizabeth? You know, the old lady who's always holding the babies at the family reunions and your mom's told you the story about how disappointing her life has been because she's never been able to have kids of her own? Well, guess what? She's also pregnant. (laughs) She who was said to be unable (laughs) is in her sixth month of pregnancy. So Elizabeth is six months ahead. She's showing at this point. And I love verse 37 For nothing is impossible with God. And the last thing I want to show you is this. Mary's story is intertwined with Elizabeth's waiting. And so you can guarantee it that someone else's story is intertwined with yours. God's going to minister through you in a way that you you wouldn't have been qualified to if not for this waiting that you're in. Verse 39, at that time, our theme, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. So if you've read the whole story, you know this. Joseph was going to divorce her. He was going to separate the engagement. The whole town is going to be up in arms that she's pregnant. People aren't going to believe her story that it's from God, even though it's true. She has to go somewhere. So where does she go? She runs to the house of a relative. Read it. Who, whose house does she go to? Say it out loud. That's all right. Zechariah and Elizabeth. She goes to their house. And, and here's what you might not realize. Look at this. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby and her leaped. Elizabeth is six months along. You picture this. Like old, old lady six months pregnant. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, do you have a relative like this? Like, ah, you're here. I'm so glad you're here. That's Elizabeth. She's not bitter and angry in her old age. She's so excited to see Mary. Blessed are you among women. Here's the point, verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Now, I could give you an hour-long message on that verse, but I won't, Okay. But I want you to just let the Holy Spirit work in you and use your imagination. But three months, a teenage girl who's pregnant for the first time and scared, an old woman who thought she'd never be pregnant and had given up on that hope, and for three months they're together. I've not experienced this because I can't get pregnant, but... I've seen sisters be pregnant at the same time or cousins. And when you're a woman and you have a a blood relative or a, a family member and you're pregnant at the same time and you're both like, you're going through all the same pains and changes. That is a once in a lifetime bond. I've seen it from the outside. You guys, this is what happens for Elizabeth and Mary for three months They're washing clothes together. How did you sleep? They're helping each other. Why is Mary going to be there for three months? Well, Elizabeth is at six months. What happens after three more? Nine months, Mary is there and she watches John the Baptist be born, knowing that six months later, that's what, like she's learning. She's almost like an apprentice. Now if Elizabeth had had the life of her dreams and she had, you know, 5 or 10 or 12 kids by the time she was 40 and then she stopped, Mary shows up and Elizabeth's kids are all moms of their own, could Elizabeth have ministered to Mary? Uh, maybe. But God designed this this way so that the only other person in all of history who could understand some of the things Mary was feeling, that was Elizabeth. Think about this. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, the God of the universe dying for your sins and mine, all the sins of humanity, those feet that were hammered through, that little foot in the womb of his mom, Mary, the kick against the womb. Other than Mary's hand, the first hand to ever say, feel this. That was Elizabeth. Elizabeth, because of her waiting, because of her disappointment, because of her faithfulness to God in it, gets to play this part in the story that just, it's incredible. And don't miss this, if Elizabeth's life had gone the way she wanted, if she had just gotten everything she prayed for immediately, she wouldn't have been able to be there like that for Mary in that moment. And in the same way, whatever you're waiting for, it is worth it can summarize that idea like this your hospitality in your waiting in your disappointment it could be what carries someone else through their waiting and guess what else when you start to serve others while you're hurting it starts to get your eyes off of your own misery and your own waiting starts to speed up your perception of the time starts to accelerate so church minister to each other this December, because every one of us is waiting for something. Everyone around you has some unmet desire. Let's love each other. Let's be hospitable to each other. Let's bring those who don't yet know Jesus into loving meals and environments and moments where we can show them the love of Jesus. Well, next week we'll be in part two. Let me just summarize today's message. If you want, you might take a picture of this as you live this out this week. What have we learned your old prayers have not expired. Second, God is working in your waiting. Third, in your waiting, serve God and others with all you've got. If December's a brutal month for you, serve more. You can serve here at church. We've got tons of services. We've got a bunch of Christmas Eve services. We'll have our first ever at Fisher's Christmas Eve service on December 24th. Maybe you want to serve here on Saturday the 23rd and go over and serve at that historic service in Fishers on the 24th, or in Avon, which now has two services. What God has for you is worth the wait. So don't give up. Don't disqualify yourself. And your hospitality as you're waiting, it might carry someone else through their struggle while accelerating the speed of your own. God is at work in your waiting and you can be too. Let me pray this for you. Father, I just want to thank you for such a beautiful church. Such beautiful brothers and sisters. They're so precious in your sight. And God, you see in every one of our lives those painful disappointments. The loss of a loved one, the death of a dream, the unmet desire for a healthy thing. God, some of those prayers we stopped praying years ago, decades ago, but we just return to you in this moment, saying, God, we trust your timing. We trust your hand. You're the God of Abraham and Moses. You're the God of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You're the God of us today. You're always at work, even when we can't see it. You're always faithful, even when we don't feel it. So, Lord, today, breathe life into us. Breathe faith into us. Breathe perseverance and endurance. And may we serve through our storms like Zechariah did. May we remain faithful to you and to your work in this world. And God, today, would you just strengthen our faith that our then moment is coming. And until then, we'll be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point podcast.